This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Celebrating Wharton's reunion weekend, where past alumni have gathered to reconnect and learn. This is a special presentation of Dollars and Change on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. Here again are Cheryl Kuhlman and Nick Ashburn. Welcome to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 111. I'm Cheryl Kuhlman. And I'm Nick Ashburn. And we're here for Reunion Weekend for our special uh, uh, alumni show. And uh, We are showing love. We're living <laughs> for it. And we're usually here on every Thursday morning, 8 to 10, but this is, a, this is a real special occasion. The campus is all decked out. Alumni are here. Everyone's in a great mood. We're loving it. Absolutely. Loving it. So let's get to business. Uh, we are here now with Lori Nishiura McKenzie, a Wharton grad 93, and this is a long title coming, folks. This, she's the executive director of Stanford University's Clayman Institute for Gender Research and the co-founder of the Stanford Center for Women's Leadership. Wow. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. So uh, I have a feeling that we're going to have to get you on for a longer segment. You'll Absolutely. have to call in. But where do I start? Um, Me Too, everything going on, women's leadership. What do you do at the Claimant Center and, and uh, the Center for Women's Leadership? And, and how, how is it important, right? It is a remarkable time. So the Clayman Institute has been around since 1974. Whoa, okay. But for the past seven years, we've been really trying to think about how to push equality forward, and we've been working really with organizations. So our aim is to figure out how we can do the foundational research that will help change efforts be more effective. We have 50 companies and affiliates program, and we do research inside many of them to diagnose bias co-create solutions and look at what results we can create with managers, not just with the HR departments, but with managers who, what we say is, we help them deliver on their good intentions. Well, and that's interesting because this is research that has a very practical aspect, right? It's sort of like this is information that the companies are using to change how they hire, promote, employ, all of those issues. Absolutely. Are they getting better? Yes. So we take what we call a small wins approach to change. Gotcha. Which we believe culture change one small win at a time. So when people ask how do we evaluate change, we say, well, if we have a small wins model, you have to evaluate small wins. So we look at something like performance management, diagnose bias, men and women are being described completely differently, which affects their outcomes. Right. We see if that affects you over time. And then we try longitudinally to see if the change sticks and if it actually advances more people in the organization. So at first, um, so we sit within a university, and we're within the business school. Are you within the business school at Stanford, or is it its own thing? We're at the School of Humanities and Sciences, but okay. we work with faculty from the business school all over. Sure. And and the reason why I ask is, you know, I, I think about you as a Wharton alum. Mm-hmm. and Because she is. Because she is. <laughs> because I am. And, and, and where are you using your business skills? Like, what did your, um, you know, what did your Wharton education provide you? But then you think about women in, in business and what some of the topics that you're looking at. So it makes so much more sense and is, is clearer for me now. So what are some of the hot topics that you are, you know, Cheryl sort of spouted off a few, but like, what do you think are some of the hot topics right now that people are coming to you and your center for? We well, you know in the past, diversity inclusion was considered a very programmatic area of a company. You might run an ERG, which is an employee research group. You might do some training. And what we've seen now is that our division, the people we work with, are kind of in crisis management. 
with Me yeah. Too, social pressures, investment pressures, firing of high-profile people. This department, which used to be very programmatic, is now becoming part of the leadership messaging of every organization. And if leaders aren't prepared to have that messaging ready, they're caught off guard. Mm. And the, so, the, you know, the social movement pressures will come to them. So we find it a very vibrant time. And I have, am a hopeaholic. I'm an optimist. <laughs> oh, what did you call yourself earlier? I'm a recovering pessimist. Uh, <laughs> so I don't think I've made it to a hopeaholic yet. Yep. Um, but that's good. Well, and I think one of the things that's interesting that goes a little bit to Nick's point and yours is that now this, there's the risk management side around this. That it, it wasn't, I think, as obvious then. I mean, people sort of thought it was a good thing. You wanted the diversity, saw, saw the positive benefits. But now there's real evidence about some of the serious negative uh, aspects that can happen when you don't do a good job at, at maintaining diversity. And so, um, Laurie, I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong because we know what can happen when you assume, um, that you have just this wealth of evidence and best practices that now when people are coming because they're probably more in crisis mode, you're saying, you know, we do have these, we can help you. What are some of those conversations looking like? You know, in the past, we worked mostly with hiring managers. And now we're having more executive conversations because leaders want to understand not just what to do, but how does this fit into the way I lead every day? And what we believe is that leaders are curators of culture. Culture is a global priority, but it's an individual accountability. So the all the way down the chain, everyone is role modeling and enacting the culture. What do you need to do not just to make people feel good, but to make sure they're not being disadvantaged accidentally, inadvertently, because of stereotypes or bias? So we talk a lot about the research that helps people, I guess, deliver on their good intentions. It, can, I don't know if you can, but can you, is there an, an example that kind of concretizes what you're talking about, um, how you might... Uh, you know, unintentionally do this in practice, or, or what? What? What's maybe an example that you see? There's been a lot of those resume studies that are done, where they take right. the exact same yeah. resume and they send it out and it gets different responses. So we know cognitively that stereotypes affect how we evaluate. But then, if I asked you, well, what do you do every day where this might happen? People have a harder time. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we talk about is, for example, key assignments. Mm-hmm. Do you always go to your go-to person? Probably the first person you come up with in your mind might be someone similar to you. Maybe they went to Wharton with you, and so you always count on them. And we know that that doesn't allow everyone access. So how do you equalize access? We Mm -hmm. talk about if you're very clear about the criteria, I'm looking for someone with this, this, and this. And then you think, who are all the people who fit that criteria? And then you look and say, well, who's due for a plum assignment? And then you just do that. It might feel like a really small thing, but to that person you finally picked, it's everything. Wow. And especially since you picked them with, with good reason, right? You sort of can justify why it's important, right? Somebody's waiting out there. <laughs> we, we have a window for our listeners who are, who are listening to I'm this like live. a puppy. I'm distracted. <laughs> <laughs> People waving. <laughs> well, so um, – we're nearing the end of this, again, this very, very quick segment. Matt, our producer, we're going to have to have her back on to talk uh, more. Absolutely, schedule. What um, What kind of is that the best trend that you're seeing in this area, right? Because we're talking, again, everyone's, it's on everyone's mind because of the Me Too, et cetera. What's the, the thing that you're seeing, The maybe not the small win, but the medium-sized win that's making you optimistic? One is that uh, inclusion is becoming part of corporate values. When we talk about what does leadership look like here, we know that inclusion spurs innovation. It's essential for innovation, but it's often forgotten. Mm-hmm. When we see that embedded in the values and then it's questioned, did we 
include everyone's voices? Did everyone have access to the scrum board or do we let the loudest yeah. person go to the top? When it's built in and it's not a program that I did and now I'm done, you start to see people having this air of curiosity and innovating themselves and incorporate into what they do every day. So I, yeah. I, I'm really optimistic about that. And I love that point. It's a point we make a lot about the students we're seeing, that when they're thinking about social impact, it's it's a cause of innovation for them. It's sort of making them think differently, seeing what they can change, what problems they can solve. So it really is, I think, it is about being innovative and not feeling an obligation to do something because you have to do something. Yeah. yeah. And, and Lori, just for your information, in case you didn't know, we, are, we do some work in gender lens investing or investing with a gender lens. So uh, we should definitely have... Uh, an offline conversation about some of that work, too, to see how we can build on the evidence base that you all have out at Stanford. That'd be great. I was with um, State Street Global Investors, oh, advisors, yeah, yeah. when they launched the She Index, yeah. and mm-hmm. um, along with CalSTRS, they're looking at not only being shareholder activists, but also thinking about how do they use that weight to create those organizations to read more inclusive. So how can we have both sides of the coin? Oh, we definitely have to talk. We definitely have to talk. Thank you, Lori. We're going to have to shift to uh, our next guest now, but it's been a real pleasure. And thank you for coming back to campus. Thanks for having me. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.